I hope that's how you come here this morning when you think of our Lord and Savior, that you just stand in awe of his power, you stand in awe of his might, and you stand in awe of what he has done for us. Because if you truly think about it, it's breathtaking. It's unimaginable. It is something that we can't even comprehend, that he would die so we could live. We stand in awe of him this morning. Before we start, um, I kind of wanted to read the scripture that we were going to be in today, but the scripture we're going to be in, we're not really going to be breaking it down until the end. It's really just kind of um, a a theme of it. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7. And I titled this, Many Gifts, But One Purpose. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7, says, And he heard things that cannot be told. Oh, hold on. Second, that was 2 Corinthians. I got it. I thought that sounded really weird. All right. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we just come to you thankful, Father. We thank you for this service. We thank you that we can stand in all of you this morning. Lord, we thank you for this, this, this scripture, Father God. We thank you for the spiritual gifts that you bless us each with, Father God. Lord, I pray this morning that as I stand up here and deliver your word, Father God, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, empty me of myself. Fill me up, Father God, so that it is not me that is trying to speak, Father God, but it is you. Lord, I pray that you uh, touch my throat this morning, Father God, that I speak clearly and I speak truth that comes from your word. We thank you and we love you. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. And to settle all confusion of why Kevin and his family left, Kevin is preaching at Bethel this morning. So, uh, you know, I know when people leave like that, you kind of wonder... What's going on? Uh, Carmen's son got married, so Carmen did his wedding all week and asked Kevin if he'd preach, and Kevin said yes. So it's, it's not that Kevin never wants to be here when I preach. It just works out for him every time. I don't, it's what he says. I don't know. But uh, he told me not to draw attention to it, so you see how that worked out. Um, I have a story. I was thinking about uh, spiritual gifts this week, and a story. I heard a story about spiritual gifts. I wanted to read this story to you guys this morning. It said, during the French Revolution, there were three Christians who were sentenced to die by the guillotine. One Christian had the gift of faith, the other had the gift of prophecy, and the other had the gift of helping. The Christian with the gift of faith was to be executed first. He was asked if he wanted to wear a hood over his head. Now, if you don't know what a guillotine is, that's that big thing where you pull the rope and the blade comes down and uh, it would behead the people back in the day. He asked him if he wanted to put a hood over his head, and he declined and said, he was not afraid to die, that he had the faith that God would deliver me. He shouted bravely. His head was positioned under the guillotine with his neck on the chopping block. He looked up at the sharp blade, said a short prayer, and waited confidently. The rope was pulled, but nothing happened. His executioners were amazed and believing that this must have been an act of God. They freed the man. 
The Christian with the gift of prophecy was next. His head was positioned under the guillotine blade, and he, he too was asked if he wanted a hood. He said, no, I am, I am not afraid to die. However, I predict that God would deliver me from this guillotine. At that, the rope was pulled, and again, nothing happened. Once again, the puzzled executioners assumed that this must be a miracle from God, and they freed the man. The third Christian with the gift of helping was next. He was brought to the guillotine and likewise asked if he wanted to wear a hood. He said, no, I'm just as brave as those other two guys. The executioners then positioned him face up under the guillotine and they were about to pull the rope and he said, hey, wait, you might want to attach the rope to the blade next time. I don't know, that's kind of funny. But I mean, if you think about how it ends, it's not really that funny, but you know, it's kind of funny. So I kind of wanted to start off with a joke this morning. I saw that joke on the internet and I thought, oh, that's pretty good. So, but anyways, we're talking many gifts and one purpose this morning. Now uh, to kind of review a little bit what we talked about last week, humbleness is humbleness in using the gifts. We all are gifted, but we all are gifted differently. And we need to be humble when using our gifts. No gift is greater than another. Second point, everyone is gifted in some way. That's why we passed those things out to you guys this morning because everyone sitting in this room today has a gift. Maybe you didn't know what that gift was until we start talking about the gifts, but hopefully by the time we get done, you can understand that. The gifts we talked about last time I was up here was prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. If you guys, if you guys missed that and you want to go back and maybe you think one of those are um, one of the gifts that you have, we have our sermons online. You can go look on there. It kind of explains them a little bit on the papers that we gave you guys. <clears throat> and we said that our goal, our goal was to glorify God through our gifts. Everything that we do, we are not trying to bring glory upon ourselves in that, but we are trying to show that these gifts were given from God and that we want God to be glorified when we are using them. So going through that and going over what we kind of reviewed, we're going to be jumping right back into the the, the different gifts that we have here this morning. I had 13 main gifts that I was thinking about preaching on, and we covered a bunch of them there, and we're going to cover the rest this morning. And uh, I'm just going to be going through all these, just kind of pinpointing. I've got a slideshow. I don't usually do slideshows, but I got a slideshow this morning because I've got each gift up there and different things about that gift. And you guys have your notes with the gifts listed. If you want to put some examples down, I tell you what the gift is. Then I tell you um, what kind of character traits are with that gift. And then I kind of tell you some examples of where that could fit in in the, in the body of Christ, in the church, where you could serve. So the first gift that we're going to talk about this morning is the gift of administra- the administrative gift. Okay, this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. The definition is to steer the body toward the accomplishment of God, given goals and directs by planning, organizing, and supervising others. Now, you may think this gift is a lot like leadership, but these people are more of the the behind-the-scenes type of people. These people are the organized people. These people plan, uh, can, you know, do lists. They can figure out different things. They can make things run smoothly. It's funny, the Greek word for this is actually kerbenesis, and it means shipmaster or captain, which literally means to steer or to guide. So if you have the gift of administration, 
you are in charge of a group of people and you are steering them and guiding them in the way that you want them to go. When, I, when you hear administration, the first thing I think about being a teacher is I think about school. And I'm thinking about all the administration that we have at our school and how those guys are telling teachers where we need to be heading. They're guiding, they're helping with different problems that may come up. They're handling the behind the scenes stuff that may not be going on in the classroom, but without them doing that behind the scenes stuff, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing in the classroom. So that's kind of what the administrative gift kind of looks like. And the difference between that and leadership is detail oriented, okay? I would consider myself uh, a leader. Um, if you ask my group of friends, I, I, always, I always just want to pick where I want to go to eat. I say, this is what I want to do. And, you know, they don't always listen to me, but they, you know, most of the time, we'll just do it. And that is what leadership is. But if you ask me, I'm not detail-oriented at all. I am not organized at all. I am very, very kind of, I don't know, kind of just out there. Let's just, let's just go with it. You know, that's kind of how I am. That is what a leader would be. And uh, administrative would be more, hey, this is, I've got a plan. This is what we're going to do. An example of this, Alex isn't here this morning, so I'll pick on him. We went to Florida, or not Florida, we went to Mexico uh, a couple of summers ago. And uh, we had to be somewhere at a certain point, and uh, all of us still had to take showers and everything. And Alex designed this great thing. Alex has the gift of administrative, if you ask him. That's what his gift is. He designed this entire list of people that are going to shower in this order, but they can only shower for this amount of time in order to make it to this destination at this time. I'm sitting here thinking, can we just shower and then just go? I mean, is it... But Alex is more, got to get this down. So there's some examples of where this gift would fit in the church. Uh, church treasurer, uh, a committee leader. We have many committees. And uh, if you have this gift, you could lead a committee. Um, an Awana director, VBS leader. Okay? These people are gift-oriented in this because they know they're organized. They know what's going to happen. They have it organized out. They have it tasked out. Those people are the gift of that. So I don't know if some of you guys have that today. You know, just... Scanning the crowd. And this is what I do when I go through the gifts. I just scan the crowd and see. I can see people out there with that gift. And that's one that you need to recognize and maybe step up and say, hey, I'll do VBS next year. That'd be great. Um, The next gift we're going to talk about is artistic creativity. Now, there are no specific scriptures in the Bible that talk about the uh, gift of being artistic. But we, we know in very, 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 very many cases in the Bible where we see art being done, okay? Um, one, the definition I had for this is an individual showing skill in drawing, designing, or modeling something in a beautiful crea- into a beautiful creation, okay? You know people that you could give them a picture and say, paint this, and they will paint that exact picture without anything, any help at all. They can get that done, okay? Me, I am a terrible artist, terrible artist. When I'm drawing people and stuff, you're getting stick people from me, stick dogs, um, those, those V birds that, you know, you used to draw when you were a little kid. That's all you're getting from me, okay? But I know some people in here are so gifted in art that they design stuff for the VBS programs. Um, they can design the stage up here and make it look good. Um, the costume people... 
the people that put on different skits and programs and stuff, that is all an artistic ability. If you think about it in Isaiah 64, 8 and in uh, Isaiah 64, 8, it's talking about the potter in the clay. God's using the artistic ability and he's using that as an example of how he molds us. So I, honestly, when, we're, when you're exhibiting that gift of artistic ability, you're, you're kind of exhibiting a gift that God has. You know, if you, I, today it's supposed to be absolutely beautiful. If you step outside this church building today and you see the sun and you see this, the sky and the trees and the grass, you understand that God has such an artistic, creative mind that he would create all of this. Look at the individuals that are sitting next to you. God created them. This is an artistic ability that we, some of us, possess and that we need to use. Examples for this, create uh, VBS directing or decorating, holiday decorating, costume preparing, acting in skits or performances. Okay, we put on a skit here a couple weeks ago with the youth. Okay, that is a part of being artistic ability. You know, some, some people really flourish at when they can come up here and uh, act a part out and, uh, you know, do the drama for VBS or something. You know, that, that, is, that, is some, that is some artistic creativity coming out in them. So when, if you have that or doing that stuff makes you happy and you feel like you're good at it, this could be your gift and you need to jump into one of these programs that we've listed here. The next gift that we're going to talk about is discernment. Discernment. And this is a little bit uh, harder to kind of understand. Um, but this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, where it's listing all the gifts. And uh, this is also known as the discernment of spirits. This could be uh, the gift of discernment of spirits they talk about in the Bible. And the, uh, the Greek word for this is diakriesis, and that is the act of judgment. This word describes being able to dis- distinguish, discern, or judge, or appease the person, statement, situation or environment. Okay, now you're probably sitting there. Okay, Josh, what, what is this? Okay, I think the definition up here is a little bit better. To clearly distinguish truth from error by judging whether the behavior or teaching is from God, Satan, human error, or human power. Have you ever been in a situation before where somebody is doing something or saying something and you could just be like, that's, that's not from God. That's not from God. I hope all of us have a little bit of discernment in us. Some people, some people catch on to it very, very, very quickly, and they can understand right away that this isn't from God. And whenever you have that, you can be so helpful to people because some people that don't have this gift can fall into traps. All of us can fall into traps of uh, listening to this one speaker that maybe it sounds good, but in reality, is he truly giving what God has given him or is he just going by what he thinks if I stood up here and I was I was just spouting off stuff to you guys that I think is 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 good I think that I feel like is important somebody could stand up and say that's not from God that would be the gift of discernment that's why preachers that preach out of the word preach out of God's word that's how you can figure out Here's an, here's an example of how you can discern between spirits. And people with the gift of discernment probably already know this. Match what somebody is saying or doing with the scripture. 
If they're following right along with what scripture says, then you know it's from God. If they're going off the path and kind of going down their own way or maybe trying to twist scripture in some way, that is ungodly. And that is coming from human error or that is coming straight from the enemy to try to turn them in a different direction, to try to turn others that they're telling this to in a different direction. And I don't mean to scare people, but those people are out there all the time. People that that are professing Christian speakers can come up there and say some stuff that can completely go against scripture. And if we're not careful and we're not staying in the word and we're not minding ourselves of that, we can fall into that trap. And that's where the the people of discernment come in, the people with the gift of discernment, you can come in and help people like that that maybe not have that gift. Some examples of this, we have a uh, discernment committee, uh, prayer warriors, Prayer warriors, this morning with my, you uh, <clears throat> mean this morning with my throat, I texted guys that I know are prayer warriors, and I was like, hey, you need to be praying for me this morning that my throat makes it through the entire sermon, okay? We know people like that that are prayer warriors. This is a definite, definite job for people with discernment. Um, counseling, counseling somebody, okay? You know, you don't have to have a counseling degree to do counseling. I don't have a counseling degree, and I counsel people all the time. Okay, from this tall to this tall. Okay, that's, that's just how it works. If you have the gift of discernment, you can counsel them in how this is not of God or this is, not, this is from the enemy. You can tell them different things like that. The next, gift, the next gift we have is probably a very familiar one to everybody. It is evangelism. Evangelism. This is found in Ephesians 4.11. And the definition of this is, uh, well, actually, the Greek word of this is euekletes. My Greek's not very fluent. Um, But it means bringer of good news. Bringer of good news. Now, one thing I want to point out in the gift of evangelism, everybody in this room that is a professing Christian is called to evangelize. Everybody in here is called to evangelize. It tells us that in Matthew 28, where he tells us to go and preach the good news. He tells us that. Jesus himself tells the disciples, and he's telling us to go forth and preach. But how many times do we do that? Are all of us evangelizing all the time? How many of us get really nervous when we're trying to evangelize? Maybe we think, ah, oh, we don't know. I don't know what to say, or I don't want to... I don't want to ultimately turn them away from God. Maybe I'll say the wrong thing. That's where people, we are all to, evan- all, we are all to evangelize, but some of us just naturally can do it. If you know some people, uh, like I do, that they can just, boom, strike up a conversation out of nothing, out of nothing into God and tie it into God, those people are the people with gifts of evangelism. And the way that they're more blessed in this is they just feel more comfortable with it. They have a heart for the lost, okay? All of us in here want people to be led to Christ, don't we? All of us, that is our goal. We want to lead as many people as we do. But the people with the gift of evangelism, they hurt for those people. They want to do whatever they possibly can to bring those people to the Lord. And they will push at them and they will give them scripture and they will talk with them and they will be there for them. When you have the gift of evangelism, you have not only the desire to bring people to God, but you have a heart 
to bring people to God. It is your number one goal. Now, if that's not our number one goal as Christians, it's okay. It's okay. I think that needs to be one of our top goals, but maybe our gift is something different and we need to be doing something else besides evangelizing. But all of us have a mission field wherever we're at and evangelism can be used anytime, any day, any hour. And we need to start doing that. Some examples, some examples of uh, where people can serve in the church when they have the gift of evangelism. The visitation team. We have a team here set together where we can have people go visit other people. And in that visiting, you can start evangelizing right there. Yeah, the people that you may be visiting may already know about God, but maybe they have family members that they would like you to talk to. Maybe you could help them out in a different situation. It's never a bad idea to get reminded of the gospel all the time. So evangelizing, we can even evangelize to each other. Just reminding each other about the good news. I love, I love waking up every morning and just being reminded of the gospel because that is why I woke up. That is why I live. That is why I am where I am today because of the gospel. So to be reminded of that, we can be furthering his kingdom. Uh, Outreach committee, okay? We've got uh, bringing people into the church, all right? This is a big thing in churches is bringing people in. Now, you know, if you bring somebody in and they don't like the way we do something, that's okay. That's okay because it's giving you a chance to evangelize to them. Maybe it's giving Kevin or I or Eric a chance to evangelize, or maybe it's giving somebody in the congregation that has the gift to talk with them, to evangelize with them, okay? It's just an opportunity to bring people in, so the outreach committee is perfect. Uh, Counseling, again, okay? When you're counseling somebody, great chance, great time to evangelize to people. Let them know what's going on in the Bible. Let them know what God did for them. Great, great, great. The next gift we have is intercession. Intercession. There's many examples in the Bible of intercessors. Jesus Christ being one of them. It says Jesus Christ was the intercessor for us in God. He prayed for us into God. Okay? The intercessor's uh, definition is prayer that pleads with God for your needs and the needs of others. But it is also much more than that. Intercession involves taking hold of God's will and refusing to let it go until God's will comes about. Do you know anybody like that? Somebody that, somebody that is constantly praying for, your, for you, for God's will to be done in your life, for God's will to be done in their life, and that they will not give up until God's will is perfected and God's will is done. Those people are so motivating because they will not quit on you until they understand that you are walking down the path that God wanted you to walk down. And God uses the intercessors to work through us. God uses the intercessors to bring us to him. God uses the intercessors to talk to, to pray with, Because some of us sometimes get this idea that God's will shouldn't be our will and that we need to do our will because our will is more fun, our will is better, we know way better than what God does, and then we go down that path and we're destroyed. 
and we're in a mess, and we're in a hole, and we're in a rut. But these intercessors are constantly praying for us, constantly praying for themselves, constantly asking God to reveal his will to us. These people are ultimate prayer warriors. This, like I said, prayer warriors is an example in the church of how you can do this. You know, and, and, and I, I kept putting prayer warrior down for a couple of these. And I, I encourage you, if, if you are, if you feel like you have the gift of intercession or you feel like you have um, a gift of prayer, then I encourage you, I encourage you to let people know. Let people know that, hey, if you need anything, give me a call. I'll be praying because some people can pray. Some people have a heart to pray. Some of us in here don't pray enough, me included. Some of, us, some of us just get so wrapped up in our busy day that we don't pray. And there are some people in here that devote so much time to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it tells us that we are to be praying continuously praying continuously. They asked, uh, somebody asked Mother Teresa one time, um, you know, she, Mother Teresa was always doing great, great things. She was always working um, at charity, charity stuff. She was always donating to people. She was always busy doing good things. And somebody asked her one time, they said, they said, how, how do you find time to pray when you're doing all of these things? And she says, she said, I am in a constant mind of prayer all the time. You know, we think prayer is getting down on our, on our knees and laying by our bedside and praying or praying before meals, but we can be in a constant state of prayer any time, any day. Chris Raber used to tell me all the time that he would pray for the church and he'd pray for each individual youth member on his way to work on his crotch rocket. He didn't have his eyes closed, I hope, okay? But he was praying he was talking to God and having people, having God understand and have God, Chris was intercessing for us as a youth. He was saying, listen, this is where they're at. This is why I pray your will upon their lives. That's an example of an intercessor. We need to be constantly thinking like that, constantly in a mind of prayer. And since I've been saying prayer warrior, I want to give the definition of what a warrior is. And it's a brave or experienced soldier or fighter who battles for others. A brave or experienced soldier that fights for others. These intercessors are people that are fighting for you all the time. They are fighting the spiritual battles that are going on around us, and they are fighting the battles that are ultimately going to lead us into God's will. They are praying for you constantly. If you believe in the power of prayer, you will believe in this gift because this gift is truly, truly amazing. Uh, Yeah, visitation team, outreach committee. Um, I put on here an accountability partner. You know, if you don't have an accountability partner, get one. Get one. Somebody that's always praying for you, always asking how you're doing. The intercessors are perfect accountability partners. The next gift we're going to be talking about, one that we are familiar with here in the last couple years, is a missionary. That's a gift. 
being a missionary is a gift. This is found in Ephesians 3, 6 to 8. It talks about going on, uh, being a missionary as a gift. Isaiah 52, 7, and talks about um, blessed are the feet that, be, that are bringing the good news, the beautiful feet bringing the good news. And in Romans 10, 15, it talks about bless those who are sent because if they are not sent, how can we be heard? How can he be heard? Okay, these are God's warriors. These guys are going out in the battlefields, they're going out in the trenches and they're delivering God's word. Now, when I'm talking about a missionary here, I, this is a little bit different gift than what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really talking about uh, ministry in another culture, okay? In another culture. Now, that could mean that you are, you know, if you def- define culture, it's just a different way of living, okay? A different way of living. Culture could be um, your ethnic beliefs, um, your religious beliefs, your, uh, could be another country, could be a whole other geographical area that we're talking about here. But these people are anyone who is willing to drop everything. This, is, this was my definition of missionary. If I, if I had to pinpoint, this is what I had. I said, this is anyone who is willing to drop everything they have and be full out on the mission to go everywhere and beyond to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we sit here and we may say, yeah, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. I'm going out and doing this. But are you willing to drop everything you have and fully go after God's goal and deliver the message that he has for people? If you, if you, if you are saying oh, you're a missionary here today and you truly believe that you're a missionary, and I said, okay, there are people in China who are being persecuted for their faith. I said, I want you to go there and I want you to do that right now. How many people's hands would go? The gift of being a missionary is so, you just have to feel it. Quick story, I know I've mentioned Chris already this morning, but on our way back from uh, the mission trip to Mexico, when we drove the bus, which was awful, but we had 28 hours on a bus. I mean, it was, it was a great time. And me and Chris were talking in the back, and this is on our way back after Chris had done mission work all week. And uh, this is one of the first people he talked to about it. He said, I think me and Rose are thinking about going into full-time missions. And I was just like, like, you're just going to be leaving and coming back every once in a while? And he's like, no, we're thinking about fully moving away. Now, that is the gift of a missionary because... They, God had imparted on his heart that he was to be a missionary, that he was to go out and do God's work. How long? I don't know. Does Chris know? He doesn't know. But he knows that God has called him to be a missionary. And that family is the perfect example of this gift that I'm talking about right here. Some examples of this is you can be on the missions committee. You know, we have, we met the other day when we were talking about the missions committee and we're talking about different missions that we could support different missions that we could go on. Um, a Casas Por Cristo trip. In July, um, myself and many of you and the youth are going to um, the Dominican Republic to build houses. That could be an example of being a missionary. Um, becoming full-time missionaries like Chris and Rose and their family. Those are ways that you could help the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about Providence Midnight Church. I'm talking about the ultimate church. 
by going out, bringing people to God. That is the gift of missionary. Next gift we're going to talk about is the gift of shepherding. This is found in Ephesians 4, um, verse 11. And the word shepherd um, means, in the Greek, is poimen, poimen, and it means overseer. Okay? These, they are called and gifted to care for the spiritual well-being of a local body of God's people. Okay? So these people are looking after the spiritual um, health of people in their congregation. If you think about it, there's so many examples of uh, God being the shepherd and we the sheep, and he's watching over us and guiding us. That is what it is. God is, God is right there with us all the time trying to watch over our spiritual well-being. And we, as people, can be that too. I have shepherded many people in my life. I guarantee there are people out here that have shepherded somebody in their lives where they are watching over them. They are making sure that what they're going through is lining up with Scripture. It's lining up with God's will. They're, they're talking to them. They're asking questions. Uh, they are servants of God and the church. Okay, um, On here, I put... Uh, it's a pastor. It's a pastor, okay? You know, me and Kevin and Eric are listed as pastors, but you guys could shepherd somebody as well. It doesn't have to be a huge church that you're shepherding, okay? This is just walking alongside somebody, protecting them, helping them out, building them up. Uh, the goal of this is the Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gift of pastor, pastoring to some in the church to humbly teach them, guide them, protect them, and to lead them in the mission that God has for his church, namely the Great Commission. So if, you're, if your gift is shepherding, here's your goal. Your goal is to teach them, guide them, protect them, and lead them towards the mission that God has for them. So if your gift is in shepherding, some examples, some counseling. You can do counseling with people. Uh, a youth sponsor a youth sponsor would be a great time to shepherd somebody. Um, pastors, you know, if you feel like you're being called to be a pastor of a church, that could be a calling on your life for shepherding. Teachers, Sunday school teachers, um, you know, teachers on Wednesday nights, whatever that could be, that's an opportunity to shepherd somebody, to teach them in a way that is moving towards God's will. The last gift we're going to talk about today is wisdom. Wisdom. And the Greek word for this is Sophia. And it is an intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments, which results in holy and upright living. Now, wisdom is something that many of us kind of have a grasp on what wisdom is. Okay? But I just wanted to give that what the Greek word for that was. It's that, let me read it again. In, an intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments, which results in holy and upright living. Intimate. I love that word that they put in here in the Greek because intimate truly defines what wisdom is. Okay? You have an intimate relationship with your spouse. Okay? You know everything about them. You're doing everything for them. You know that you want to know the inside and out of everything that they like, everything they don't like. Everything that you want to do, that's an intimate relationship, okay? And that is what they're talking about here. People with wisdom have an intimate understanding. They know the ins and outs of the Bible. They know what God desires. They know God's will. They understand situations that come about in life. 
and how to overcome them using God. The wisdom that we're talking about here maybe comes with age, comes with experience, comes with different things that have happened in your life that you could help somebody out with. Some people may have wisdom in money. Some people may have wisdom in relationships. Some people may have wisdom in uh, dealing with uh, a certain sin, okay? Wisdom can come in many different forms, but it is an intimate knowledge of God's word and understanding him. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding and his praise endures forever. So we understand that wisdom is fearing the Lord, understanding that God is above us and that God is guiding us and that God is doing exactly what he is doing. And the reason why we are acting the way we are acting and the way we are here is because we know that God is empowering us through his Holy Spirit. That is wisdom. We must fear the Lord knowing that he is above all. I wrote down here, I said, the Holy Spirit gives some spiritual gift of wisdom to not only impart the truth and understanding to believers, but to invoke a response of holiness and worship lived out in the world among God's people. Wisdom doesn't end with knowledge, but is expressed and transformed in the lives and the hearts of those who profess it. Wisdom is something that I cannot just sit up here and I can speak out wisdom off to you guys and say, this is it, this, 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 and this. If I leave this place and don't live what I'm preaching, then I am not a wise man. Wisdom is not there because wisdom, in understanding wisdom, you understand it and you live it. That is the second part of wisdom that we don't understand all the time is that wisdom is not only knowledge, but wisdom is living some of the wisest men I know that know the Bible inside and out and they can help you, they can give you scripture anytime you want to, those men are living a holy life. Do they sin? Yeah. They sin, they're human. But those guys are living an example of how we are to live. They're living an example that we can look up to. They're living an example that is evident of their wisdom that they have in their lives. I've given you many, 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 many times the example of my Uncle Marv. I don't know why I I didn't plan on saying his name up here this morning, but when I think of wisdom, I think of my Uncle Marv. Now, some of you guys out there are like, nah, why you're wise. In my life, that man has so much wisdom, I can't even comprehend how much wisdom he has. He always knows what to tell me. He's always throwing scriptures at me, and then that man just lives a life of wisdom. If you ask him, he's probably going to say no, but that guy lives a life of wisdom. We all have those people. We all have those people in our lives that live a life of wisdom. Now to close, I want to to close with the purpose. And I have a story I I want to read to you guys. A story I came across this week that I think fits in perfectly with what we're talking about. And it fits in the purpose of why we're here. The purpose of spiritual gifts the purpose of why God gave us spiritual gifts. So let me read this story to you. Let me take a drink of water first. It said, once upon a time, there was a famous house builder and painter. After designing the homes, he would then build and paint them. 
As a painter, he was such an amazing artist that he didn't even need drop cloths. He had a steady hand and he was picky about using good brushes and quality paint so there were no drips, just tight, trim lines. This craftsman always designed, built, and painted the homes all by himself with his own hands. But then one day, he had a remarkable idea. As he was standing by one of his houses, he saw a bunch of kids walking home from the elementary school. They were minding their own business, laughing and carrying their backpacks until he shouted, hey kids. When they looked up, startled and awestruck because everyone knew in this town that this guy was a great, great painter. He asked them a surprising question. How would you guys like to help me do some painting? What do you mean? I'll tell you what, he said. I'll give you each a bucket of paint and a brush and you can paint my new house. You want to give it a try? For real? They squealed with delight. The painter nodded as he said, yep, for real. Cool, the kid said. He opened up the back of his truck and pulled out a load of brushes and paint cans and then pried open the paint cans and they started splashing paint on his garage door. They got paint on the sidewalk too and some on each other, but they also got a lot of paint on the house, all different colors, especially on the parts of the house that were under four feet high. The house painter's neighbor came over after dinner and took it all in. Uh, What is going on here? They asked. Another one blurted out, Look, I gotta be honest, your house looks like a tornado ripped through Sherwin-Williams. What were you thinking? Well, the house painter said, Of course, I could have painted this house all by myself, but I've always built and painted houses in order to bring joy to others. So based on that goal, this is the most beautiful house I've ever made. The, then dozens of their friends will want to come to this house. They'll bring their friends to show them what they've painted. And each one will say, this is the home of the master painter and builder. But it is also our house. In the same way, when God the Father, the master creator and painter of the world, pours out his Holy Spirit on his followers. He hands every single one of us a paintbrush and a can of paint. And he says, go to work. Use your gifts and let's paint a beautiful house for the Lord. This morning, one thing I want us to understand is that God can accomplish whatever he wants on his own. He is God. He is omnipotent omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, he can do whatever he wants. If he wanted something done, he'd snap his fingers and there it is. But the thing with God, just like the painter, he wants to bring joy to others. And what he does is he gives us a paintbrush and a paint can and he chooses to allow us to do his work with him by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I don't think we quite understand that some, sometimes. We don't quite understand that our role in, in, in the Christian world is to go out and do God's work. And the most beautiful part is that I've heard so many people talk about this before and they say, oh, without us, God couldn't do anything. That is a lie. God could do whatever he wanted to 
But the thing that makes it so amazing and makes me stand in awe of our father is that he chooses the almighty, all-powerful God who rules over all. He chooses to let us, little sinful humans, he lets us do his work with him. And how does he do that? By blessing us with different gifts. And if we do not use those gifts to accomplish his goal, they go to waste. They go to waste and the task may not be finished. But God allows us to do that, just like the painter. I put on here the basketball analogy. I'm doing it again. I don't know why, but Terry's going to put a grin on his face. The Bulls team that won six titles was the greatest team to ever assemble in the history of basketball. The team was truly amazing, okay? But the thing about the Bulls team was they had different parts. You had Michael Jordan, the assassin. That guy could score at will. Anytime he wanted to, he could get to the rim and score. He could pull up for a jump shot and score. He was their main guy. Then you had Scottie Pippen, who was the lockdown defender. That guy could D anybody up. He was big. He was quick. He was fast. He could shut down the other team's best player every single night. Then you had Dennis Rodman, okay? You had Dennis Rodman, one of the greatest rebounders of all time. That guy could get, he could average, I think he averaged like 15 or 16 rebounds a year. That's all he did. He maybe scored eight or nine points a night, but he would go out and grab so many rebounds, it'd be ridiculous. And then you had Steve Kerr. That that guy was a dead eye from the three-point line. If Michael Jordan would drive and they'd double team, kick to Kerr, Kerr would knock the three down. All of those parts working together won them six titles. See, if you'd had a team, if you'd had a team of all Michael Jordans, yeah, that, that team probably would have won. We won't say that. But if you had a team full of all rebounders, you're not going to win because you can't score. If you had a team of all defenders, yeah, you may stop the other team from scoring, but what are you going to do on the other end? you have a team of all three-point shooters, who's going to play defense? Just like the basketball analogy I gave you, the church is the same way. If we had everybody in this church as a leader, who would we have to lead? If everybody in this church had the gift of uh, artistic ability, how would anything else get done? If everybody in this church had the same gift, we could not accomplish the multiple tasks that God has given us. Each one of us has an important role. Each one of us has an important job. And each one of us need to accept our gift, accept our role, because when we do that, our church will further. And I'm not talking about Providence Mennonite Church. I'm talking about God's church. I'm talking about the big C. When we start following God and we stop ignoring these gifts that he's given us, we can flourish. Providence will grow. Providence will start moving farther, farther into God's will for it. And we will start seeing God take control of our lives, our communities, and our country. So this morning, my question to you is, what is your gift? What has God blessed you with? 